Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. If people were cloned, would the clones have souls? Have you ever found yourself in a different world for a moment? Or maybe for more than a moment? How can you tell you're in the presence of a quote-unquote portal? Greetings and welcome to the 599th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those wide-ranging questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And we are one episode away from our 600th edition of the show, but this evening we bring you an open-line show on a number of paranormal subjects, and we will uh, attack that ever-growing stack of emails. So, uh, we will also uh, accept calls this evening. The numbers are 800-449-1240, that's from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, and 401-766-1240, that is locally. Also, don't forget about our emails, or our email, uh, that is paul at behindtheparanormal.com for emails and our Facebook page. Okay, let's begin. We, we have a number of emails from, uh, and ver- some very good questions from a, a lady who describes herself as our... Uh, Colorado, Colorado groupie, or Colorado as they pronounce it down there. Colorado. And so we uh, we have already answered several of those questions on uh, the air previous shows. However, there are a few we have not, and let's take this one step at a time. There, Ben. Okay. Uh, let's see. So our Co- Colorado or Colorado groupie writes to us. Um, can you feel when you are in uh, an area like Skinwalker Ranch of Connecticut that uh, the the, uh, the two the two are how many uh, dimensions? Uh, sorry, I'm trying to figure. My my reading abilities have just fallen apart entirely. Let me start again. Well, maybe I'll take you to the doctor. Uh, maybe. Uh, can you feel when you are in the presence uh, or in an area like the Skinwalker Ranch of Connecticut? The uh, two or how many multi-dimensional dimension or mul- yeah multi-dimensional dimensions uh, when you are there? Okay. Well, let's leave it there. Well, this would be a good idea to promote our dear friend William J. Hall's newest book, which is the official release is going to be the 21st of August, and we will mention that uh, at the end of the show in our announcements of our events, because it will take place at Milford, Connecticut at the Barnes & Noble, and we'll tell you about that later. But uh, wh- where are the cameras? There we are. Okay. Oh, hold. hold oh, all right. Oh, just give, give me. Give me. Give me, give me, give me. Okay. Yeah, you've been saying that all your life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so there we have William J. Hall's new book, The Haunted House Diaries, which is about that case that we have referred to as Connecticut Skinwalker Ranch. I only received an advanced copy yesterday, so did Ben, and I have not had a chance to read it yet, but there are a couple of nice uh, pictures of us in there, and the book is dedicated to the two of us, which is a great honor, Yes, and we thank uh, our very good friend Bill for that. Uh, The book resulted from my simply mentioning, I think it was in 2013 or 2014, uh, you know, tongue-in-cheek, saying, Bill, why don't you write a book about this case? Because he had just written one, a very good one about the Bridgeport, Connecticut case of 1974 that I was <laughs> He took involved. that as, as a legitimate... A yeah, legitimate like right out of the gate, you know, and, and bingo, here it is. So, boy, that's amazing. His publisher is a lot faster than ours, anyway. <laughs> so, anyway, th- th- that's just a bit, uh, a bit of information. If you are interested in that case, you can certainly uh, look at the Haunted House Diaries. It's available just about everywhere now uh, in all the better bookstores and maybe some of the not-so-better ones. Anyway, it's in there. So uh, that that's uh, what the reference to Connecticut Skinwalker Ranch is. It is a uh, rather substantial area of Litchfield County, Connecticut, and at the center of the well, at least at, w- at one point of the triangle is a 1783 1793 farmhouse 
where uh, we have been investigating a case for the last 10 years. And uh, it started with um, all sorts of strange, multiversal sorts of phenomena, as we would interpret it. Uh, Ghost-type things, strange creatures, uh, UFOs later on, uh, which were seen throughout the area and that sort of thing. So uh, the question, again, is how do you tell where... No, the question is... uh, I'm looking looking at another piece of paper. Yes, you are. Uh, I'd like to go to the doctor, too. Yes, yes, we, we, we should just go to the doctor. Anyway... So her question is, can you feel, uh, wh- can you feel where there are two or more multidimensional portals? I guess. Okay. Uh, the, when when you're in in the area of something. So the the question essentially is, can you feel these things? Yes. As a matter of fact, there's another question later on we got on Facebook that is relevant to this this answer as well. That sort of thing comes up a lot because one of the first things we do is go in and you you can feel. What, what you're feeling, I think, are the electromagnetic fields, in some cases anyway. But it's deeper than feeling. It is deeper than feeling. It's because it's... it's I, I, I've, so I've why do you answer the question? I've often found that in, in this, in this, this, this post-postmodern world that we live in, there is, there's, there's an emphasis on, on two extremes, hypersensualism and hyperintellectualism. There, there's just a very, very big... It, it's, it's, it's no one half dozen the other. It's, it's just either or. It's like it's either you feel it all or you think it all. There's, there's, no, there's no way to describe this in, in a way that's like, well, you feel it. It's like an electrical tingle. It's just that's not how it works. It, it's, it's something deeper inside you that isn't quite a feeling, but the only way to describe it is a feeling. Because it's not sensual like the five senses, so it's not like an empirical thing you can say, well, I sense it with my eyes, I can sense it with my nose, like, I know it's there. It's something much, much deeper that touches not just the sensual, but the intellectual as well. Important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. Yes. Uh, right. No, no, but seriously, that's, that's a very good point, but I think when people ask if you can feel it, they're asking if you can feel it sensually, as you say. And I was going to answer... Well, I will answer that this came up just last week when I was called in on a case just to sort of take a look around uh, in Massachusetts, and there was every quote-unquote ghost hunter whoever who had been in this place picked up something in the basement. Now, the reason they picked up something in the basement was because there have been several, well, maintenance issues with this this Oh, so there were electrical leaks? I think there were electrical leaks, and you had plumbing also in... Oh, well, there we go. ...going across uh, wires and all this sort of stuff. Wow, that's extremely dangerous. So so what they were picking up, and it it measured sky high on the electromagnetic field meter, which I use very sparingly because we don't really use it like other people do. It's an engineer's tool to find precisely what I'm describing. Yeah. And you, th- that's what people were feeling. Uh, there is an electrical current around which a, um, an electrical field will build up. Now, not, every, not everyone will feel this, but some people do. Uh, we happen to be the kinds of people to do that. I also can't wear watches or jewelry. Yeah, one and, of my watches uh, just broke <clears throat> the other day. So every time I meet mom for dinner, people think we're having an affair because I'm not, I'm not wearing a wedding band. Guys, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I, don't, I, you know, I just can't wear jewelry. So in any case... Be that as it may, the uh, the entire um, uh, scenario uh, may have come right down to that, and people think they're they're feeling ghosts. Uh, however, on the other hand, 
uh, also in this house and in another, a number of other places, there are electrical fields near where people sleep. These can affect your perception and they can give you the impression of feeling or even seeing things that may not actually be paranormal you know, in, in certain circumstances. Other circumstances have to be present. So the question is, so I think to answer the question, you have to consider what I just said and what Ben just said, just said as far as whether you feel the presence of something. You can feel all kinds of things, but whether it's paranormal is another issue. You can yeah. sense, you can have deeper things that are deeper than feelings, but the question is, um, is it really paranormal? Now, taking that one step further, I'm thinking of the time in our house, and I wrote about this in, I think it was Faces at the Window, where your older brother, Ben, had a, uh, an aquarium that was really not maintained properly. I don't know what happened, but the, the filter on uh, the thing for, the, for the, the water was putting out tremendous amounts of, um, uh, tre tremendous number of milligauss, that's the measurement, of a magnetic field, enough to cause a health hazard. And we began to have shaking beds. I don't know if you did in your room, but... Uh, nope, did. not that I recall. And um, oh, this goes way back. It was a long back, time ago. Long time so ago. I mean, I probably just don't remember. And I came out and I felt the electrical field in the thing. And and before assuming that it was anything paranormal, I did the research and I traced it back to this this pump. And the question is, and, and there there were things that could have been interpreted as paranormal. And the question is, do these fields, even produced by mundane sources such as we've described just now? Mm -hmm. Do they create the illusion, and the same thing with standing waves uh, in, in, in infrasound, do they create the illusion of paranormal events, or do they open our awareness to worlds, parallel worlds, that are actually there all the time? Maybe I don't know. Both? Be maybe both, because in this house where I just described these problems with the electrical fields, there have been, and I'm certain of it, at least two parasitical intrusions. The situation there is is uh, unbelievably negative, as are the people involved. So it's it's really a bad scene. And of course, as we know, parasitical entities, as we call what most people call demons, uh, will feed upon electrical energy. And we often ask, how, we always ask, is is your electric bill very high in any home where this supposedly is going on? And if they say, well, it's way high, it shouldn't be as high as it is, then uh, possibly that may be a clue. So um, the answer, I suppose, is yes and no to, what, to the question of whether you can feel the, you know, the, uh, the presence of other dimensions. Now, the term dimensions can be a problem because alternate, uh, any physicist will tell you that parallel realities, parallel worlds, parallel universes are not the same thing as dimensions. Because, as I understand it, there are many dimensions within certain worlds, and uh, that's a long story. And I'm not going to give. Well, dimensionality physics. is just—it's just another area of well, um, geometry, but also physics. Right. Yes. So it's, but it's not—it's not the same thing as a world. It's very, very different. Yes, parallel universe. Because if you you're saying that, that, then we're we're living we're living in the third dimension right now. There are arguments that the fourth dimension is, is time. Well, there really isn't an argument about that. If something has no duration, it can't exist. Well, it depends on how, what, how we're talking about dimensions, because there's dimensionality. And yeah, then, that, that's, true. Which, that's is, true. which is very, which is just a varying degree of math. Right. 
where you, but we're not we're not going to go into that. Just yeah. So people have said they should get college credit for listening to this show, which I think is the highest compliment we've ever had. Well, it also helps that we know a lot of people who are smarter than us. That's that, right. That's right. That, that tell us all these things. That's true. That's true. So I suppose that's uh, the answer to the question is yes and no. So what's the next part of the question from uh, our Colorado groupie? Well, we sort of answer it is uh, if so, can you explain what it feels like? Okay. And we sort there of answered that. All right. Um, uh, have the owners ever turned on a recorder on their nightstand uh, when they go to bed so they can hear what goes on in the house and in some cases uh, to one or other other owners uh, while while sleeping? So, I, well, yes. All right. Oh, my ears and whiskers. I guess the answer to that is a big yes, and uh, Bill Hall talks about it in his book. The owners, as I say, the place was built in 1793. At first, it was a general store, and then it became a private home of the same family for six generations. So what we have here is an owner who grew up with, well, she, she, she and her very nice husband. Actually, in, in the course of 10 years of investigating, we found out that we're distant cousins, so that's nice, from the Randall family. And uh, again, it's all in the book, but she... Uh, uh, from an early time began to uh, keep a diary of the events that occurred in this house to her and other members of the family, hence the title of Bill's book, The Haunted House Diaries. And so the recordings, uh, when video technology came along, uh, they began doing that. All sorts of things have come down. Uh, our good friend Shane Searway, who was on the show with Bill Hall a few weeks ago talking about this case, uh, has been there and has recorded a number of things. So there are all sorts of uh, recordings and other things, again, that are described. We ourselves had a very interesting experience, and there are some still photographs in the book of this. In 2010, when Ben and I were there uh, w with a film crew, uh, not necessarily documenting this case, but it was a pilot for a potential TV show that never went anywhere, at least not yet. Mm. And we were out a very, very cold November night, and the little boy, the grandson of the owners, had said that his invisible friend Ashwar was in the tree out front. And so I uh, happened to be out there. We had the uh, infrared, uh, very, very simple infrared video camera. I shot it up into the tree, and sure enough, when we looked at it, down out of the tree is coming this very odd-looking whitish tadpole thing. And you can see this video if you go to our Facebook page, the Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno Facebook page. And uh, there's a, the first video there is this one, and you'll be able to see about six seconds in this really odd thing coming down out of the tree. And, of course, naturally, then I pulled the camera away. Uh, but we were um, comparing notes with our, our good friend Gregory Harold in Florida, who had a video of something similar from his security camera uh, in the 1970s down there. And so that's in the book as well. So plenty of information in that book. But, uh, yeah, so, so the answer is uh, lots and lots of things, sounds, videos have been recorded in that case. Oh, well, yes. Okay, so we've got... All right, now here is... Um, another uh, another okay. question. Here's another question. Let's go to someone else, then we'll go back to uh, the groupies' question. Okay, now this is um, really the, one that, the, the, the first one that is tied into the previous answer, however, it may take it to another level. All right, fair enough. Okay, so uh, Mark from Mark. Yes, and uh, Arkansas writes to us, uh, I've read much of uh, what you wrote on cases where you believe that electromagnetic fields are present when paranormal events are taking place, but these fields are believed to influence human behavior also. How do you tell the difference between something that is real and weird and something that affects the brain? 
Okay, th that's a good question. As I say, these these things can affect these electrical fields can affect one's perception and things of this kind. W one of the problems that Shane found in this house that I was mentioning from last week was that the uh, the person who believed she was possessed actually was sleeping in a place where there was such a field uh, produced by something that Shane found that was quite mundane, and he advised her to move the bed hopefully she will do so and her um, situation might ease somewhat there there uh, I remember that there was a case in Europe where our friend uh, Shane Eno uh, not not a relative uh, was who was involved in the uh, paranormal institute of Denmark mo moved uh, some or at least told the people to move some puppies uh, from a particular place because precisely this thing was going on and there may have been some tectonics involved not tectonics but uh, geotechnic geotechnical forces involved here under the site because there was a tremendous electrical field naturally produced apparently and uh, the, some of the puppies were dying inexplicably so the people moved the puppies to the other side of the room and they were all fine so uh, Shane also a very uh, level-headed fellow in, uh, in this regard mm. so um, as far as um, other factors one of the things I noticed in the basement of this house we've been discussing and uh, this is in Massachusetts was uh, some black mold now, the jury is still out on this to some degree, but there is some evidence that certain kinds of mold, including black mold, may affect, uh, may have yeah, hallucinogenic, some, yeah, hallucinogenic, may have hallucinogenic um, uh, effects. Now, again, this is not, has not really been um, uh, verified to any great degree, but uh, this, is, this is one of the things that we look for in the, someone's basement. Now, this house had been involved in, uh, obviously, New England's tough winter that we had this past year. Uh, there was a lot of flooding in the basement. Some of the insulation was coming down. There were structural issues. So there are all kinds of problems that may not be paranormal that could affect the perceptions in this house. As I say, whenever any investigator, quote-unquote, goes down to the basement, they, they, they mention that there is uh, something down there. And uh, something... Now, 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 this electrical field that even I felt it uh, and that measured quite, uh, accurate, quite uh, clearly on um, my devices my my emf meter electromagnetic magnetic field meter uh was quite strong however uh this could indicate as well the 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 uh presence of a world boundary now is the world there's electrical field there because of the world boundary probably not which raises another question if we have an, ele an electromagnetic field created in a normal way such as this one is you know with the uh presence of the plumbing and uh not enough insulation on the wiring, things of this kind, could it create a world boundary where there would not have been one otherwise? That gets back to the question. Are we experiencing things that, that, that are being created in our minds by these, these electrical forces, or are they opening our perception to worlds that are actually there? There are multiple worlds all around us all the time in numbers that are inconceivable, but Access is another question. So this is, again, an open question. Is this where uh, any uh, parasitical entities are coming back and forth, uh, where they ordinarily would not be if the uh, naturally created field were not present? That's, that's an open question. I think that it is possible. So there we are. I don't know. That's, that's that one. Oh, there's uh, another question out here. Do you okay. want to jump to that? Alrighty, so this one is from uh, Glenn, and uh, he writes very, very quick question. I have heard that visualizing an outcome can be very effective. Have you had any experience with this? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact. I think what Glenn is talking about 
is there is a big, uh, very largely new age oh, sort like the, of perception. The vision board kind of stuff. What's that? Uh, vision board? I mean, it's basically the same thing. It's, it's like a, you, you make like a poster board and you cut out like magazine clippings and stuff of like stuff you want and like goals and you visualize it hard enough and eventually you get it apparently oh I never heard of that approach well it's a big new age concept, but, but it was present before that I mean, there was a certain realization throughout the history of this sort of research I suppose even beyond the occult I guess that uh, visualization can help make things real and I, again my experience with shamans uh, they will tell you that it, it is an important factor in making things real. We tend to become what we're told we are or what we perceive that we are. This is perhaps an extension of that old principle. I think the thing is that, that we can be most useful to our species when we visualize things together. I often cite a situation when I was at the Providence Journal in the newsroom as an editor in the 1980s. That's the major Metro Daily in Rhode Island here. And there was a... Um, meeting, I believe it was the Transcendental Meditation group, some sort of national convention in Providence that week, and a lot of the uh, hard-nosed journalists there in the newsroom with me were kind of laughing at it and saying, oh, silly and all But the fact is that they were meditating for peace. They said, that's what they said they were doing in huge numbers at the Providence Civic Center. And within the following six months, three major peace treaties were signed, two, two or three brush fire wars ended, and there were several major advances on the international front. And I'm not saying they caused that, but I'm sure they didn't hurt it. I think this is, this is real. Um, I think that when we have things happen in our lives, it very often, and this gets back to the multiverse idea, it can be us tying into where we are better people, I suppose, in many parallel universes. Because these apparently, in our experience, are very real places and times and it's all us in whatever versions of ourselves exist in these parallel worlds. And, and this, this is, this is uh, to many physicists, very good science, very good physics. It's first day of school, it's fringe, it's new stuff, but it is believed to be absolutely true in one way or another by most physicists at this point. So uh, visualization, yeah, I'll give you a concrete example that I ran into in the process of uh, my seminary career. I was involved with um, some work in some hospitals, and there was a little boy I encountered, and he was, uh, I believe, I, if I recall, six or seven years old, and he had a, a rather advanced form of childhood cancer. And he went into remission, much to everyone's surprise, and he told me that what he did was to picture the um, spaceships coming in and shooting the cancer cells, you know. And he just, he dreamed it, he visualized it, and all of a sudden he went into remission. The cancer receded. Now, whether that was really the reason, I don't know. Well, there, but there, there has been uh, studies saying that the more positive you are, the more likely you'll go into remission. And the more, well, the more positive you are, the more likely you're going to make other people happy and yourself and live longer and be healthier and that sort of thing. I that believe too. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why um, I love positive people. People are so negative that I can't stand it. I can't stand watching the news for any length of time, and I'm an old newsman. 
That's what I did. A little, you know, my, one of my what jobs. What did you do like 30 years ago? <laughs> one of my jobs at the Providence Journal, because I, I ran the wire desk, you know, the wire, no, those, the, the uh, Associated Press and all the wire stuff, as we call it, would come in, and I'd decide what to put in the newspaper that day, the next day. And uh, I, one of my jobs for, you know, eight hours a day was to watch, like, CNN. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm not the news junkie I used to be because it's so negative and biased in one way or the other, and I just, I'm disgusted with, yeah, with my own profession in some ways. So I um, concentrate on the paranormal in many ways, or history, or the housing trades, which is another thing I write about. Anyway, so that's a long answer to a short question, but there we are. So we're coming up on our break, and you're listening to an open line show here on Behind the Paranormal on WON 1240 in New England's absolutely gorgeous Blackstone Valley on a gorgeous day, and we'll be right back. Everything you know is wrong. Hi, I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Paul Eno. Check out our show, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, here on ON 1240 AM on Mondays on our new drive time slot at 6 PM. The paranormal is not what you think it is. You're going to examine the whole thing from a whole new perspective on our show, and we expect that you're going to be very surprised. Do not check your brain at the door. You're going to need it. Be there. Shameless, shameless self-promotion there. <laughs> I know. We don't control. Or, well, I guess you, you're the producer. You do control. It. I mean, I thought it, I thought it was a rotating cart, so I thought I thought oh. it would change to something else, and I was like, oh, well, well, hello, well, well So we'll, we'll get back to our communications here on this open line show. And uh, this is this is something different. This is very interesting. This is from Jim, uh, from Louisiana, and um, maybe I should read this because I, I in reading Jim's uh, prior communications, I kind of got to know his. Uh, uh, style here, and it's uh, well. You can re- you can re- <laughs> practice your uh, my ing- my English, yeah. my my reading skills. Uh, uh, is that is that Huma or Hauma? I don't know how to pronounce it, but L A means Louisiana. That's okay. All right, that's what I figured. All right. uh, Los Angeles. All right. Yeah. So, um, uh, was uh, was coming back from a trip from Mexico, uh, trip in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, all right, so Jim writes to us. Went uh, I went up the bridge in uh, downtown, uh, in uh, whatever Huma Huma. Is that how I guess, I guess so. Yeah, uh, Louisiana. Uh, he's like, and he continues on. I I got to the bottom of uh, of of uh, the bridge, I guess, and uh, there was there were, there were no buildings on the left. Uh, there should have been a five story building. Um, then he said it, it's his vision went something like like binoculars where uh, he's like I had I had a circle uh, and uh, it was unclear on the sides and he turned to the right uh, to cross the canal as as he said there's no road or town uh, to, and so he drove up drove up um, a, a different road I'm, I'm assuming for two or three miles uh, to where Sears is supposed to be and he had to strain to see the mall uh, with. Uh, that that vision that he had, like this, his vision was all messed up. Uh, he said this new road uh, went up to the state police station, and, he's, and um, and he got to uh, uh, I'm going to assume that's Route 182 in Morgan City, Louisiana. So for another 22 miles, I had he said I had to con- I had to concentrate to stay in my lane. Said his vision uh, was clear just in the center, and he said about uh 8 degrees total uh less than clear i'm going to i'm going to assume that like that out, out of 180 degrees of vision only <laughs> 8 of those 180 were clear so he uh he got he got onto uh route 182 and it cleared up for about 4 miles said i'm said uh, uh 
I am technical and I know what I'm doing. Oh, he said he he knows what he's doing, what he's he's what he's seeing, and here's what I think. He said uh, using facts. He said looks in the corner something. Da, 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 da. Uh, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to. Trying to get, All right. Well, while you do that, I'll point. express an opinion. Please, please. All right. Now we don't know Jim. Uh, all we don't even know his last name. All we know is he's from Louisiana, and he wrote this to us. Now it sounds to me. Now I have heard th- things like this before. I've, uh, in a way, I think had some things like this happen to me. But there, there are some very dramatic examples of people. Uh, going places in groups, even, and the whole group remembers that there was a they ate at a restaurant or or at an old inn that seemed a little odd, and they came back the next day and the place hadn't been there in a hundred years or had never been there, and nobody understood what they were t- you know and they're talking about as far as you know where they could have eaten that sort of thing. Uh, that is not all that uncommon. I'm wondering it, with the vision issues if perhaps uh, there wasn't a factor here of some sort of uh, medical. Uh, problem of some kind there uh, particularly uh, I don't know if I would have kept driving in that circumstance that's impressive um, that he drove that far yeah it is Uh, I don't know how old Jim is but I'm wondering uh, could this have been a a, a TIA one one of the uh, very uh, sort of minor mini strokes that people can have Uh, we um, run into that as well sometimes and uh, on the other hand I'm, I'm just thinking back to many cases where you know people looked in a certain area, and the buildings that they recall were not there. I remember we received an email from someone in Ontario who said that he got up one morning and there was a house across his his yard from you know on the next lot uh, that had never been there before, and his family thought he was had lost it because there were you know as you said that's been there always been there and you know, he he never remembered it. So again, this could be a neurological problem, mm. uh, an issue of some kind. But then again, there are too many of these things that are witnessed by more than one person at, at a time uh, when these occur. Uh, there was also the case in the 70s that I, I heard about, and I actually talked to the people. They were uh, from uh, the U.K., traveling in France, uh, two couples, and they, were, um, they stopped at a hotel uh, down a little road. Uh, they were on their way to Avignon, but it was... Uh, country road and they saw this charming little place and they parked across the road because there wasn't any parking lot and they went in and they stayed overnight and there was there were feather beds and the food was all like homemade and the uh, the the when they went to pay the people were dressed oddly and when they went to pay they thought they were just in costume and they went to pay the next day there, there was only a couple of francs which was and this is when France before France went on the euro was when this occurred and uh, the people didn't um seemed to recognize the money, but they took it anyway. Um, actually, no, the, the franc had not changed very much in the last century. So they, they looked at it a little strange, but they did take it, the paper money. So, uh, and there, there were a couple of policemen came in, and, and they, they asked them, What's, where's the best road to, a-? said, which way is Avenue? And they pointed in one direction, and they asked for the motorway or the highway, and the cops didn't know what they were talking about. So they left, uh, found their way back to the highway on their own, and they decided to stay there again on their way back. But when they found the road, there was just a ruin there. And the people said that there had been a hotel. The police station had been next door, but about 80 years before that. So they were all creeped out, and I'm the one of, you know, one of the ones who found out about it. So th- these events do occur, and we believe they are not time slips as such. I suppose they are, but 
uh, time slip in the sense that one can slip across one of these boundaries in, and be conscious, totally conscious, and even physically present in a world in which, which is not yours and could be the future, could be the past. There are stories of all sorts of things of that kind occurring. Uh, we think that the entire reincarnation experience, or at least most of it, might be explainable by precisely this, that people are, ex are in touch with parallel lives rather than past ones, because as the general theory of relativity proved, and that pretty much all physicists believe now, uh, uh, there is no past, there is no future in any objective sense. Those are functions of our consciousness. Time really does not exist in that sense. Uh, there are simply parallels, parallel lives, parallel awarenesses, parallel worlds, uh, that sort of thing. So it's, um, again, uh, an entirely new way to look at this. But I think that uh, what uh, Jim may have experienced may have been that, or they may have been uh, even a factor. And, of course, the, even in, in the, the medical sense, a question might arise, as it did in the question of electromagnetics. Do these conditions of the, of the brain cause the illusion of experiencing, in this case, parallel worlds? Or does it open doors to awareness of parallel worlds? And I'm often saying that when I worked in psychiatric hospitals as a seminary student, I would talk to some of the people who were diagnosed schizophrenic and got the strong impression that many of them, at least, were tremendously knowing about these things, had experienced these worlds as real worlds, could talk about them, to dis could discuss them, and sometimes were in them, or at least aware of them. And... Um, this is the question. And uh, I often had psychiatrists or a psychologist tell me in private that uh, they wondered the same thing, but they wouldn't dare say it because they'd get sacked. Well, anyway, okay. Here is, uh, here is another one from our Colorado groupie here, and uh, as she calls herself. I suppose that this is in a different sense. Uh, oh, the bottom, oh, the bottom. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't get this far. I remember yeah. we sort of... Uh, we start. We started it, but we never finished it. Okay. Um. Da, 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 uh. Right, right at the bottom there. No, I know. I'm. Yeah. I'm wondering if we technically answered this or not. I, I guess not. So okay. whatever. Uh. Can she says? Can one tell where a portal is? Uh. I, or, or yeah, where a portal is. Are there signs that indicate uh, you are near or in front of a portal? Uh, that's funny. When I read that, I know that's not what she means, but I think it were traffic signs. Portal ahead. You know. Look at the magnetic world boundary. Turn right, you know. But uh, no, no. Be careful. <laughs> Hi, uh, yeah. yeah. No, but uh, but but this this uh, sort of falls in line with the other questions we've been answering this evening about the presence of these world boundaries and, and portals are often considered. In I suppose even in classical paranormal research, where people believe in ghosts and stuff in the classical sense as spirits of the dead, there are senses of portals. Where do whatever it is come and go? in the sense of the uh, Connecticut Skinwalker Ranch with which we began the conversation. The, uh, the issue arises, um, are there portals there through which these things that have been seen and recorded come and go? Or is it just an overlap? Uh, the notion of portals, I think, is rather slippery. Now, you and I, Ben, have been there and done some research on this very subject, and you have even used the term portals in, des in describing your own uh, feelings about what I what really kind of going on in certain I, I kind of regret that. Yeah. How, what do you mean? I I don't uh, the use of the term or Yeah, because it's not it, it's hard to describe as I said before, it's hard to describe the indescribable mm. a using the English language. Right. Because it's not very apt to talking about things that are beyond the mundane and it's it's very it's hard to to communicate ideas 
So I was like, you know what? This sounds like a good idea. This is what makes the most sense. Yeah. And people take it and and they run with it. Yeah, no, of course. And they're like, it, well, but the, the the term portal is a problem, I think, because it it connotes a door. That's literally what it means from the Latin porta. Actually, is a door uh, in a particular place at a particular time with something particular coming through or leaving. All right. I don't know if that's how it works. There seem to be areas where that happens. For example, in houses, you might have a closet that's um, always cold. We don't run into that a lot. I, I, I don't know, that whole thing of the cold nature. But anyway, so we'll through which things come, seem to come and go. In the Bridgeport Poltergeist case of 1974, I got the really strong impression that the four entities that I tangled with on that Monday night when Ed and Lorraine Warren weren't there, uh, and, and that, that attacked the little girl were coming out of her room. Uh, in, in, in that sense, it was kind of a, a portal. But now, looking back, I think we're looking at... Intersects. And the re- intersects. The reason, and overlaps. The reason we study whole well, areas... Well, the thing is, portal denotes a singular location. It does. And, and they that's, don't, this, that's because people only look in one location. Well, I've never, I've never actually thought of it that way until now. I, I, re- I realized I was uncomfortable with the term, mm-hmm. and I never really understood why, and now, now I understand why, because it, it denotes that it's a singular, a singular place, a singular destination, and that's just, that's just not it. Wrong. Okay, so uh, rather than that, we interpret the, these as intersects or overlaps of parallel worlds, or, some, or sometimes a number of parallel worlds, uh, over a, lo- a large geographical area, such as this Connecticut Skinwalker area in uh, Litchfield County, Connecticut, or Rendlesham Forest in England, which we've talked about many times on the show, or the uh, so-called Bridgewater Triangle, not far from our broadcast area, uh, in Massachusetts, and many, many, many other areas around, maybe even the whole planet, you know, these overlaps seem to occur and things can come through. And the reason I think people settled on the idea of portals was because they weren't looking at the house down the street where the same thing might have been happening or outdoors in the yard where things might have been coming or going because of the intersects, you know, coming or going advertently or inadvertently. So I think that's, that's kind of what, what we're talking about here. So are you in the presence of a portal? Well, you might want to see that an entire area, entire areas may be portal areas or the entire planet is a portal area. The entire solar system is a portal area. It's all a very relative term, and and, and I suppose depending on the experience you have. So perhaps it might be the right question asked in the wrong way or with the wrong terms, but how do you know? Well, I think it's a good bet that wherever you may be, there are chances that things are coming and going. Think of it this way. We don't live in one particular parallel world. There's not one world that we spend our whole lives in it. They, they, they pass through each other all the time. Every time you make a choice, every time you drop a pencil or something, you have passed into another world. You leave behind the one in which you did, dro- did not drop the pencil, and you pass through the one uh, in which um, you did drop the pencil. I mean, that, that's what physics, that's how physics describes these worlds. So it is a deep concept. It is something that is happening to us all the time. It makes the paranormal entirely normal because it is the normal state of our lives and our world. And so, yes, I think you're always in the presence of a portal. Uh, We don't notice them unless the furniture starts flying across the kitchen. And in that case, you probably have uh, cases of extreme uh, contact outside the world family. 
Now, the world family is worlds that we proceed through all day for our entire lives that are very similar to each other so that we don't notice major differences, except that you drop the pencil or don't, or that you're... Uh, you left one, your keys in one you place. You left your keys in one place. And someone else, we don't notice most of that. But when there is a disjointedness in that continuity, continuum, should we say, and it bumps or for some reason intersects with a world that is very, very unlike the, those in the world family in which we travel and where the, where the laws of physics are entirely different, you'll get floating refrigerators or landing UFOs or aliens or ghosts the things you think are ghosts or whatever, or these weird creatures you see bounding around outside the house in the Torrington, Connecticut, which is the subject of that, of this new book. Uh, that's when you have a real potential problem. But again, once you understand it, you can begin to deal with it. And the question is, can these portals be closed? Well, that, that's perhaps another. We'll wait, we'll wait for another question on that particular issue. So let's uh, let's move on. If you don't get the uh, point we were making, please by all means write in here. Uh, now, here's a very interesting one uh, on, on the, the clone issue that we started uh, the show with here. They're right at the top there. But, and uh, this is from, I don't know. Oh, geez, this is going to take, take up the last quarter of the show. Uh, well, this is the first part. All righty, so... Who's uh, that from? Sherry. Sherry, okay. Yes, yeah, so Sherry. Sherry, Sherry say where she's from? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Sherry from wherever. Sherry from somewhere writes to us, uh, I called you just about a year ago to ask... Uh, for some assistance with an invasion of ghosts in my home in Monument, Colorado. A lot of people from Colorado. Um, CO is Colorado, yes? Yes. Okay, there. yes, good. My my fifth grade geography... It's geog- ironic, because I was there a few months ago. There we go. Well, mm-hmm. my, my fifth grade geography has come in handy. Uh, <laughs> uh, what I have gone through since then is unbelievable, but it is definitely not the average ghost hunter experience, nor was I looking for this. After months of strange and bizarre events, I finally discovered um, that... What I've been dealing with uh, are not only ghosts, but trapped souls in the astral plane. Uh, I was aware that... All right, now, why don't you stop right there? Trapped souls in the astral plane. Okay, this is classic 19th century... Not to criticize, but because it may be right, I don't know. Classic 19th century uh, spiritualism. Okay, trapped souls. And the question is... What do you mean by... This is going to come up later on. We're talking about the clones. What do you mean by soul? What is that? Uh, the, the derivation of the word, it's the pedigree of the word goes back to the Greek word uh, or, or the Latin word animus, that uh, sort of thing, and um, some ancient concepts of the essence that is inside our bodies. I mean, people would notice that when somebody died, it was like, Nothing, just a lump. Not, nothing's there. Nobody's there, you know. Nobody's home. And uh, what is it that was there before that that brought about the life, which is what animus means, essence, whatever. What was in there that animated, animus again, the body to be a whole person? It's the, that's the, the noose, right? Yeah, that's right. Nuos or noose, yeah. And uh, the Greek word. And you can find uh, various answers throughout the, the great writings of philosophers and things of this kind. But essentially, the term soul is whatever, the, whatever is there that makes the body alive and is considered to be the essence of the person, the consciousness, perhaps. There are all sorts of terms, and as Ben uh, rightly said, uh, there really isn't much you can do with the English language, as much as I love the English language. 
uh, when it comes to talking about this stuff, uh, it and most other modern languages really aren't up to the job. No, so, not at all. The, uh, so the, the uh, trapped soul, this assumes that when the soul or the animus or whatever leaves the body and the body is just a lump, the life is gone, the soul is gone, the consciousness, essence, whatever is gone, that that essence survives and goes somewhere or somewhere or whatever else. Okay, and th- there's no reason to believe that it doesn't in some form because the energy cannot be created or destroyed. That that's a principle in basic Newtonian fi- in really basic physics that uh, the law of the conservation of energy. It might not stay the same, but it won't be destroyed in any sense. That doesn't mean you're still going to be you, uh, or or that you're going to go poof necessarily after you die. We don't really know, although we have substantial evidence and we have our own belief system on that. So that's what this term soul essentially means, trapped soul. The belief uh, that the soul leaves the body and can be trapped, uh, people often use the term the earth plane, P-L-A-N-E, um, as if it's some sort of geometry, and I suppose it is. Th- there's there's the, this idea that you can't cross over to whatever it is you're supposed to cross over to, uh, presumably heaven or the spiritual realm or the the light or whatever. These are all 19th century spiritualist terms that we don't think are any way up in any way up to the job. So I think what we're talking about here is um, some concepts that may have to be expanded upon and revised. So the idea of trapped souls. When you encounter certain paranormal entities, you can get the impression that they are trapped. However, what I think is happening, and what's happened in my experience, is that you're, you're in contact with people in parallel worlds who are trapped in certain areas of their lives. How, how many people do you know who are trapped in, say, a loveless marriage, or are trapped in an addiction, or some sort of chemical dependency? How many people you know, do you know are trapped in a job they hate, and are just very frustrated, can't seem to get anywhere? Maybe that's you. Who knows? I think when we're picking up people in parallel worlds who are having similar experiences, we might very well think they were dead people who were trapped somewhere uh, in some sort of circumstance that is spiritual. All right? well, I did a little research at one point on, on the term astral plane because I've, I've, I've heard people use it and they never really define it. Nope. And I've, I, I think I, the definition that I've come closest to is that it may refer to um, medieval science. And that would be the ether, or oh, yeah, aether, right. or whatever. Which ether, be, yeah. Which the material that fills the regions of the universe above the terrestrial sphere. Well, there, there, there's a story behind that, just briefly, because there was a concept that there, that there could be no vacuum, no empty space. Yeah. Uh, this is in medieval philosophy, and even in Greek philosophy before, there had to be something. So it was really the Greeks yeah, came up with the term ether. I was going to say, isn't that Neoplatonism? Effectively. Uh, and that in space... They didn't really quite get the notion of outer space, but but they a lot of them realized there was something beyond the Earth. Right. And even later on, in uh, into really 18th century science, there was a concept that even outer space had to be filled with something. It couldn't be just empty, which of course a lot of it is. Yeah. <laughs> but but a lot of it is not either. But it's not either. either. I mean, this is like <laughs> this is like Greek logic, where like like yeah. like is attracted to like, so right, dirt, right, so right. dirt is attracted to the Earth, so whatever fills the vacuum. Is so that's the background the of the word yeah. ether, anyway. Well, I just think that's interesting that it's used to describe something like this. It, it's just—it's such a weird term that's used. Mm. 
and the, the idea astral plane, yeah, yeah, it just it's it's very very odd. It it denotes an almost it it almost sounds like a physical thing. You know what I'm saying? It does, yeah. Well, of course you have to realize that, that the spiritualist concept is very two dimensional. Yeah, you've got a, a material world in which we live. There's no concept, as far as I know, of parallel worlds. Although now they're talking about it. But in, um, in their own so weird, in their own strange way. way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on the other side of the veil, or whatever it is they call it, uh, is this spiritual world, or which would the astral plane would, would fit that into that framework. Yeah. And they talk about uh, out of the body experiences. You, you know, you're leaving your body and you're having a, an astral journey, or you have an astral body. There are even those who believe that there is a, a complete uh, copy of the material world and the astral world. And uh, I think that, that may be a misinterpretation of Plato's I- notion of ideals. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that just like a, like a weird interpretation yeah, yeah. So, of Plato? So it's all very two-dimensional and quite inadequate and, and very much seen out of the narrow framework of our own perceptions. I think I was reading a little too into it. Well, perhaps. Well, maybe not. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's meant to be read into. No, probably not. So anyway, so, so the whole notion of... Souls trapped on the astral plane, uh, I don't think is adequate. But if you proceed, please, Ben. Oh, this is this is a long one. All right. So she continues to say, uh, "I was aware that this uh, existed, but to but to actually be able to find out how they live and uh, what they are doing was totally amazing. Still, it took me quite a while to get them to move along. Uh, These but trapped souls. I'm, I'm going to assume she f- feels they were. Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Uh, but the last one, I was able to send to the light. Uh oh. Uh, uh, should I stop there or shall I continue? Well, we'll finish the sentence if you. Uh, the sentence is done. Okay, all right. Yeah. Send to the light. Now we're always harping on this. A lot of what we talked about earlier in the show and in many other shows has to do with the electromagnetic boundaries that appear to separate parallel worlds. It's it's more complex than that, but that's essentially a beginning to understanding it, we feel. One of the characteristics of these fields is the presence of plasma, which is essentially electrified air molecules in in most senses of the word. And when we have photographs of these huge, brilliant streaks of light or balls of light or whatever, these can be, we feel, in many cases, indications of these world boundaries so that when you're dealing with what you believe may be a trapped soul and you send it to the light you could be just sending it into another world if it can communicate with you listens to them, listens to you and if that's really what it's doing and if you send it into another world there there are billions and billions perhaps infinite numbers of other worlds many of which may be hellish so in classical terms, when you send someone into the light, and this is what mediums and psychics tend to do, so they think, especially mediums, you may be sending it to a hellish world. You may be sending it to hell, not heaven. And this is why we say, even if that's really what you're doing, don't even try to do that. So when you send these so-called trapped souls to the so-called light, it's, you don't hear from them again. You assume they have, quote, crossed over into, quote, heaven or whatever you think you're doing. Mm-hmm. Big mistake, very probably, certainly from our point of view. Oh, actually, we, we I think we're out of time. We're pretty much out of time. Yeah, we'll have to get to our announcements. Oh, well, this, so this, you can do a whole uh, show on this thing. I we're know, not even I don't know, maybe we a should. quarter of the way done. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to go back to Sherry's question on our next open line show. So in any case, uh, let's get to our announcements. 
And uh, on Friday, August 21st, I just put this on Facebook, too, as an event. Ben and I will be at the Barnes & Noble Booksellers in Milford, Connecticut, for the official release of William J. Hall's new book, The Haunted House Diaries. That's about the Litchfield County, Connecticut paranormal flat Ben and I started investigating in 2005. And that has been growing ever since. And again, uh, the new book is right here. We showed it before. At 7 p.m., the address 1375 Boston Post Road, Milford, Connecticut. On Saturday, September 15th, uh, we're speaking once again at the Exeter UFO Festival in Exeter, New Hampshire. Our subject, Aliens versus Demons, uh, which is which? The UFO Festival is a very fun uh, town-wide event organized by the Kiwanis Club to benefit local children's charities. Other speakers include the great Stanton Friedman, along with Richard Dolan, Kathleen Martin, Rob Schroeder, and Jennifer Stein. You can visit www.exeterufofestival.org for more information. Don't yeah. forget about the links on our websites to that page. All these people have been guests on our show, except Richard. We can't seem to coordinate, but Jennifer Stein was our guest last week. Check the podcast on that. On Thursday, September 24th, we will join the Haunted House Diaries author, Bill Hall, for a joint book event at Hank's Restaurant in Brooklyn, Connecticut, uh, right in our listening area here. Hank's has great food, and it will be a lot of fun. That will be at 6.30 p.m., and keep, uh, keep an eye on our events page or our Facebook page for that. On Saturday, October 17th, uh, we'll once again be speakers at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts, and we will present a different variation on our subject, Alien vs. Demons, which is which? Other speakers uh, will include some renowned experts familiar to our listeners, including Richard Dolan, Peter Robbins, Mark D'Antonio, and William J. Hall. And you can visit www.susantom.com slash ufo.html. And there's also a link to that at our website, along with all sorts, all sorts of other things at our website. That's including uh, nearly 300, 300, <laughs> 600 free <laughs> podcasts of past shows from both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And a lot more than 600 now. I'll have to change that. You can find my books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble Nook. That includes Faces at the Window, Footsteps in the Attic, Turning Home, God, Ghost, and Human Destiny, and a couple of others. But if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll be happy to sign them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our websites, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including USACares.org, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, and uh, check all those out. There are two recent, just released by Global Communications, recent books, that is, uh, just released by Global Communications, and uh, one is The Bell Witch Project, which contains that story, and also a few contributions by uh, yours truly on historic paranormal cases here in New England. And a special interest to folks here on ON 1240 in our listening area is another uh, Tim Beckley book from that company, UFO Repeaters, with an entire chapter on our old friend Joe Ferrier, talk show host here on ON for over 50 years. Both books are available at Amazon.com or use the links at the online bookstore at our show website. And next Monday, August 17th, uh, will be our 600th show, and we'll welcome back Geraldine Sutton-Smith, for an update on research into the 1955, uh, that would be the alien invasion, at Kelly, Kentucky, in which her family were eyewitnesses, and the show will mark 60 years since the incident. 600th show, 60 years, too many sixes, and that's almost to the day. Actually. And it's Stith, not Smith. Sorry, Stith, sorry. Not Sith either. She's very nice. She wouldn't be one of the Sith. <laughs> we leave you this evening with a thought from American author Richard Bach, one of our guests on last year's show, one of our last year's, show, last year's shows. Here is the test to find whether your mission on Earth is finished. If you're alive, it isn't. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time.
Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.